0: if you would like us as a church to pray for you please email prayer at or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox uh, okay it's quite not quite as cold today in the building so uh, i won't be rubbing my hands quite as much but uh Hopefully a spring is springing. We'll, we'll feel a lot warmer in here. It makes a difference when there's not all the people in here sharing their warmth as well. So uh, anyway, welcome along. We're gonna come to the penultimate message in our series on 1 Thessalonians. We're looking at chapter five. And today it's about expecting the unexpected. Uh, it reminded me a bit of the Monty Python, uh, is it Monty Python? No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, but what is the worst prediction you have ever come across? What is the worst prediction you've ever come across? Maybe it was at the beginning of this season, people say Liverpool would win the league again. That's looking like a pretty dodgy one at the moment. But anyway, we're not going to talk football. I think I've gone off it for a little bit. But what is the worst prediction where people have made claims about dates or times or they've said, "Yep, this is going to happen? Well, in May... The 21st, May the 21st, 2011, it was predicted by a family radio host in the USA that three million people would be saved as Jesus returns and the rest would perish. Biblically, that's not really right anyway, but the end was indeed nigh and it was going to happen on the 21st of May, 2011. When that didn't happen, they issued a recalculated date of October the 21st, 2011. They even set up a website called JudgmentDay2011.com. It probably doesn't exist anymore. But on that website, you could find the top 10 reasons why you would miss out and not be saved. You could find the top 10 reasons. One of the top 10 reasons that you would not be saved was stealing candy from the store, would you believe? Um, I've got a confession to make. I once did take a packet of chewing gum from a, from a shop in Germany, so apologies to the, the owner there. I was a very young, naive person. Uh, but anyway, I'm forgiven, so that's okay. I'm, uh, don't quite arrest me. But anyway, it had a section on it for being rapture ready, but it didn't happen as they predicted. They weren't hearing God's voice. They were just wanting followers they just wanted people to follow them they told people not to get jobs they told people to to not have children many times the Jehovah's Witnesses have predicted the same thing and Paul in this letter writes to this church this young church and says it will happen it will happen but we don't need to be predicting any dates or times because only God will know when it's happening So the first warning to us this morning, before we even start looking at Scripture, if somebody ever gives you a date and a time, maybe they're not to be listened to. Maybe they're people not to be trusted, because we just need to be ready now. The Bible says there will be many false prophets. There will be many people who make predictions, who make prophecies claiming to be in the name of God. And maybe we've seen many of those this year. But actually, only God knows. And the message that God's Word continually says is, just be ready. Make sure we're ready now. I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Uh, the verses will come up on the screen in the NIV. Uh, I'm reading from the NLT, but that's fine. That's okay. So, 1 Thessalonians verses 5, I'm going to start with the first three verses. It says this, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. Like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant, a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. I'm just going to stop there. As I read these verses, it reminded me of a song when I was younger, it must have been from the late 70s, early 80s by Larry Norman, and Cliff Richard also sang it, so Shirley will be pleased and it was called A Thief in the Night. And it was all about this passage that Jesus will return like a thief in the night, unexpectedly, but expected. And there's one line throughout the song that says this, I wish we'd all been ready. Today, that is God's desire for each one of us, that we would all be ready, that we would all be saved, that we would all be part of his family. Do you know, There's nothing worse than waiting. There's nothing worse than waiting for somebody to finish in the bathroom. You know, you've all experienced that in your family, unless you're on your own. There's nothing worse than waiting for someone to finish up in the bathroom so that you can get in there. You might have to go to work and somebody's taking time in the shower. Somebody's taking time drying their hair in the sink. Maybe they're just looking at themselves because they're gorgeous. There's nothing worse than waiting for that. Or maybe being ready for tea. We've mentioned it this morning as a a band as we've practised that when you're ready for tea, sometimes people go off and do things. Maybe they're still playing on that computer game, Joel, when they should be coming down for tea. Maybe Maybe they should be off and they should be ready. Well, God wants us to be ready. He doesn't want us to be unfocused. He wants us to be ready because Jesus is coming again. That is the whole message of this. Our hope is the return of Christ. Eternity with him. And it's his glory. Jesus' return will be like a thief in the night. Expect it, but it will be unexpected. Expect it. We know it's going to come, but it will be unexpected. My favourite news story of this week was the story of the wanted man who handed himself in at a police station. That was unexpected. He'd been on the run, he'd been in hiding. He was on their wanted list and he handed him in. He handed himself in at the police station. Do you know why he handed himself in? Because he would rather go to prison than live with the people he was having to share lockdown with. That's pretty unexpected, isn't it? Maybe you feel the same way, but actually he wanted to hand himself in. We're told in this passage to expect the unexpected. Jesus is coming back. We just don't know when only God knows. You know, it talks about like a thief in the night, no burglar worth their salt would give you the heads up that they were coming around to steal things. I can remember the only time really when I've experienced having something stolen seriously was when myself and Roz were in Oldham and Roz had a, a room in the hotel as part of a floristry thing I was there for the meal, and then I was driving the car home to my mum and dad's. And so we'd had a really enjoyable evening with some friends and other people, and I went out to drive home. I'd said goodnight to Ross. I walked out into the car park of this hotel in Oldham, and the car wasn't where I'd left it. So I walked around the car park thinking, well, I'm sure I left it there, but I mustn't have done. And I walked around around this car park thinking, where have I put the car? Until eventually it dawned on me that the car had been stolen. It came as a shock. I didn't expect it. It was a horrible feeling because I wasn't ready to have that happen to me. It wasn't, un- it wasn't pleasant. If they'd have told me they were coming, I'd have stood guard. If, I'd- if they'd have told me where they were coming, I'd have sat probably in the car waiting for them or just not stayed at that hotel. Because I would have been ready because they told me they were coming. That is the message Jesus wants to get through to us today. If you are not part of his family, if you've not accepted him as your saviour, then you need to do it. Because we need to expect this unexpected happening. It's not unexpected, the time just isn't known. Paul actually says the same words here that Jesus has already used. This isn't something new that Paul is teaching this church. This is something Jesus himself was trying to get across to his followers. If you look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 to 44, it says this, So you too must keep watch, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch. And not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. For the son of man will come when least expected. Expect the unexpected. If you're not ready, get ready. If you haven't accepted him, do it now. Do it today. There isn't time to waste. Because God's cry is, I wish they'd all been ready. I wish they'd all been ready. So in other words, Paul is saying this. Jesus is saying this. Keep watch. Don't go to sleep on this. Don't lose sight of what's going to happen. Don't think you can deal with it when you're older. Don't think it'll be okay when I'm I'm in my 70s or 80s because he might come before then. Some people often says, I'll do it when I'm ready to die. Don't do that. Do it now. Have life to the full. Have that hope today. Expect the unexpected. Paul here in this verse likens it to a woman giving birth. You expect the baby to arrive one day. You expect it to come, but actually, even when it comes, that in the moment that the contractions begin, I've not experienced this. I'm sure Donna will tell me it's the way it is. But when those contractions begin, you know that it's coming. But all of a sudden, they come on you without any warning. In fact, a baby was born in a hotel car park just last week. They were sent home from the hospital because they weren't anywhere near ready to have this baby. And the next thing, in the car park of the hotel, a premier delivery is taking place. There's a little clue. Maybe they should lodge a complaint with the, the hospital. I'll get rid of the dad jokes. Jesus is coming. Be ready and watch. Don't be complacent. Don't think, oh, there's the whole of my life to deal with that. I just, I'm young, I want to have some fun. I want to do something else now. I want, to, I want to live and, be, and choose to do whatever I like before I become obedient to a God who loves me. Jesus is coming. There's a warning of complacency, maybe even a warning of complacency to governments that are in control, that they've got it all in, in control and all in hand. And we've seen in the last 12 months that even a government of every country can't really be ready for everything. 1 Thessalonians 5 goes on to say this from verse 4. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. If you're a Christian today, you know it's going to happen. Don't be surprised. You're expecting the unexpected event. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness. We don't belong to the night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. As a Christian, if you're a Christian, if you've said yes to Jesus, there are certain things we need to know. If we've said yes to him, then we are saved The battle is won. The victory is ours. We're in his hand and he will never let go of us. But we also know that we need to be obedient, that we need to serve. We need to listen and we need to expect him. We are waiting the return of Jesus. He will be back. He will be back. He said it before Arnold Schwarzenegger said it. He will be back but in a way that is good, in a way that redeems, in a way that saves, in a way that loves. What are we to do in the meantime? Paul says this, we're to live in the light. We're to live in the light. We are to reflect his goodness and his grace. If you're a Christian today, that is your job, to reflect his goodness, to reflect his grace. Even even though we've sung this morning, Donna's chosen some songs And one of them just says, even when the waters rise, even when everything seems to be overwhelming, even when it seems to get so difficult, Father, your will be done. Your will be done. We are to reflect his goodness and his grace. Jesus said, be like salt. Salt makes things taste better. Salt preserves things. Be like light. I don't know anybody who's scared of the light, but people are scared of the dark. With God, we don't need to be afraid because we can expect that unexpected date of Jesus' return to redeem, to restore, and to save. We are to be people of compassion and love. We are to be people who are different. Why? Because we forgive even when those persecute us. We're to be different because we love even when we're hated. We're to be different because we give out and give out even when... We don't seem to have anything. We do not belong in dark places and we need to keep our focus clear and sure. Where's our focus today? Where is our head? Where are our eyes looking for salvation? The psalmist writes, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And the answer is, my help comes from the maker of heavens and earth. My help comes from the one who has given it all. My help comes from the one who is all powerful. We do not belong in the dark places. That is the whole of humanity. We do not belong. We were created to live in the darkness. We're created to live in the light. So if you're a Christian today, if you've accepted your place in God's family, live in the light Don't go to sleep on these matters. Don't lose focus. Don't fix your eyes on the things below, but fix them on the things above. Fix them on the one who saves, the one who loves. And be compassionate. Be gracious. Be merciful. Be forgiving. There's a tough one, but that's a command. Be forgiving. Even when it's not deserved. Even when it's not been asked for. Be forgiving and be loving. Our focus needs to be sure and clear that Jesus is above all, that Jesus has beaten death, that, that Jesus has done, has, has died so we can be forgiven of all our sin, that He is the solution to our eternal hope, and that through Him, His love in us will help us to love others. Do you know, our Connect group. Um, often has some encouraging words. Last week's passage ended with, encourage one another with these things. Today's passage ends with, encourage one another with these things. And it's great to be in a Connect Group WhatsApp where we hear and see encouraging things. Last week, I said that Yulia had shared something in our Connect Group. She she this week apologised that it wasn't her words, but it was the words of an American preacher that she'd read. It doesn't matter. Yulia encouraged us with those words that in that shadow of the valley of the shadow of darkness, there has to be a light. How encouraging is that? And then yesterday, just yesterday, Sandra shared this. And I just thought it was so profound. I don't know if it's something that the ladies are doing or if it's something that she was doing, but it says this, in the storms of life, look for what God is doing in you before before he does something for you. I'll say that again. In the storms of life, look for what God is doing in you before you look what he's doing something for you. In the waiting, we learn patience. In the waiting, we learn dependence. In the waiting, we learn trust, faith, that his ways are higher, that when I'm weak, he is strong. How encouraging is that? To read that on my phone from somebody else within our church family, that just blew me away and it made me think, because our hope isn't here. Our hope isn't, isn't in the darkness. Our hope is here, in the heavenly. Our hope is with the Lord Jesus Christ. So when it's stormy, ask what's God doing in me. How is He changing me? How is He moulding me? How is He shaping me? Rather than God, what are you going to do for me? Because it's in those times we're changed. So how do we stay alert and clear headed? Paul started this letter to the Thessalonians with his usual three-part plan. I think I called it Paul's trifecta. If you can remember back that far, what were they? What were the three things that Paul goes on about all the time? It was faith, hope, and love. He started with those three things, messages that he's written before. And as we come to the end of this letter, he repeats himself once more. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 8 to 11 say this. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armour of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. There's the hope. Whether we're dead or alive before his return, we will live with him forever forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I'll read that again. It's on your screen. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Paul repeats these messages throughout this letter. In the NIV, it calls it the breastplate of faith and love to wear and the helmet of salvation. If you've ever read Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armour of God. And here Paul repeats that again. He's writing to a church to encourage them to keep going. Even when it's tough, keep going. Even when it's dark, keep going. Even when it's stormy, keep going. How does he encourage them? How does he tell them to keep going? What is his advice? Protect your heart and guard your head. Two things. If you remember nothing else this morning, that's two bits of advice that Paul gives to keep going. Protect your heart and guard your head. How do we protect our heart? Well, by trusting and loving. The breastplate of faith and love. We protect our heart by trusting him, by loving him, by trusting him, by loving him. Even when other people let you down, he will not. We protect our hearts. And we protect our heads by reminding ourselves that I am saved. If you're a Christian, you can have that hope that says, I am saved. The helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation says, You are saved. He has paid the price. You've already accepted it. He's forgiven you. Now go and forgive and love and trust in Him. That you are being redeemed. You're not perfect but you're wearing that helmet of salvation. You're not perfect, but change is happening and the biggest change is coming. What's the biggest change that's gonna come? When he returns to restore and redeem, to make things right, to make things back to where they should be. When all will see and bow before the king, every knee will bow and every tongue will say he is Lord. Not just those that are part of his family, every tongue. Paul was writing to a church in despair. He was looking at what was happening to them and their friends and family. They were all struggling with death. They were struggling with issues. So today, as we read this passage, as we come to an end, let's not worry about the dates and the time, because that isn't important. It's the person. It's the who. It's the why, not the how and the when. It's the who and the why. Let's not worry about dates and times and maybe be warned against anyone who tries to tell you that they know or anyone who tries to convince you that it's next week. It could be today. It could be next year. It will come. The important thing is, are we ready? The important thing is, are we saved? Can we wear that faith and love to protect our hearts? Can we wear that helmet to protect our heads? Let us finish today by encouraging one another. Encourage one another to have faith in a God who loves, to have hope in a saviour who will return, and to have a love that was already given to us. We love because he first loved us. How do we keep going? Because he first loved us. Guard our hearts and minds stay alert to the things that will try and drag us down into the darkness because they will. There will be things that will come at you this week. There will be things that will come at you after this service that will try and drag you back down into the darkness and the gloominess of life. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your head. And look to the one who makes it better. We are called to be salt and light. We're called to make the world different and better, do we? We're called to make our world different and better. But not in our own strength. We're called to reflect his goodness and his grace. I finish today by saying this. If you're ready, stay ready. If you aren't ready, then Jesus died for you. And all you need to do is accept it, is by saying yes to him, is by saying sorry for the stuff that you've done and thank you for the fact that he's paid the price, that he's made a way. If you aren't ready... Jesus died for you, and he wants you to be saved. And his cry as we read these verses is, I wish they'd all been ready. I wish they'd all accepted. He wants you to be saved before he returns to stage his rescue. It will be sudden, but we know it's going to happen. Expect the unexpected. Jesus lives, and he reigns, and one day he's returning. To save, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a God of promises. I thank you that even when we don't see it and even when we don't feel it, you are working and you are desperate to see us become part of your body. Father, I thank you that these words aren't mine, but these are the words of Jesus, these are the words of Paul. And Father, I thank you that you don't want any to perish, that you don't want any to to not not, not, not be saved, but you want all to step into the light. Father, today, if we're Christians, help us to guard our hearts with your faith and your love. Help us to guard our minds with your trust. And Father, I pray above all things that we will know your peace that passes understanding. And Father, help us to be reflectors of your goodness, your grace, and your love and compassion. Help us to be forgivers. Help us to be willing to go the extra mile. And help us to know that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen.